0: From the studios of WHUP-LP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. For the first time, adaptive athletes in jiu-jitsu are meeting for an extended period of time to gather, train, and share technique, and they're doing it right here in North Carolina. The gathering, the Adaptive Jiu-Jitsu Summit, is the brainchild of Brian Freeman, who you might know from his online name, Wheelchair Jitsu. But let's have Brian introduce himself.
4: I am Brian Freeman. I train at Hoist Gracie Southern Pines, Teen Rock. Uh, I represent Henzo Gracie also. Um, A purple belt under Roy Marsh. I have a spinal cord injury. Incomplete. T4. I like windy strolls along the beach and wrist
0: locks. (laughs) He really does like wrist locks. I know that firsthand. No pun intended. And by the way, that's not the last pun or the worst joke you're going to hear in the next hour. But don't worry, all the people on this episode of Dirty White Belt Radio are funnier than I am. The seven of us stepped off the mat to have a conversation about how they all met and came together about what advice they'd have for other adaptive athletes that want to get into jiu-jitsu, about how having an adaptive athlete at your gym helps everyone at that gym, and what to look for in an instructor and an academy if you're an adaptive athlete. There's a lot more as well, including some truly wicked humor. We'll introduce you to each of these people individually as the show goes on, but to start the conversation, I asked Brian Freeman about how all this happened in the first place. Brian, let's start with you. Like, how did how did all of y'all meet each other? Did you get started competing against each
4: other, or how did this happen? I think for everybody, adaptive athletes especially, there's this thing at the beginning of, am I the only one? I can't be the only one. Let me find someone else out there, you know. And so we all kind of connected through that. And then, you know, one of us would connect with someone, and then we would connect with someone, and it's just been networking, basically. And then, um, you know, over time, because... Not alone in that, but for the most part, for what we have to do every day, you know, we're by ourselves. So when we have the opportunity to train with somebody else that, you know, understands the limitations, understands the situations, we take advantage of it. And um, it's, it, you know, it just creates a bond, a different type of bond. You know, we, we need each other and uh, we also respect each other. And uh, I think we all have something common in us as a human that allows us to look past what happened to us or what we were born with or whatever and and do all this. um, Brian's being horribly
2: generous, by the way, because we're all here because of him. The guy you just heard preventing Brian from being too
0: modest is Peter McGregor. Peter has an active Instagram account at DeadweightJJ that you might want to check out. Let's get back to him talking about he and Brian met each other in competition and about this
2: week's summit. This wouldn't be (laughs) happening if we weren't staying at his house, and I'm sure we all have stories about how he's influenced us to get to where we're at right now especially today so overly generous brian shut the hell up (laughs) so how did you meet brian uh we actually met in toronto well uh we communicated a lot before then but we met in a tournament in toronto and um you know we instantly connected right away we started hanging out days before the tournament started and um we actually met in the finals of that tournament, uh, where I got a horrible beating. Um, so, um, he's very but uh, you know, not just being a good friend of mine, but he always motivates me to be better. And um, you know, um, he's like the benchmark, obviously, for spinal cord injury. I think so. We always kind of have people that we a- attain. You know, we want to attain to, to to be. You know, and I think that, um, especially spinal cord injury. People in adaptive jujitsu, we all kind of look towards Brian as the benchmark. As you can tell right now, the benchmark
5: is completely on the floor, so and it's kind of low. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is really low. I never get
4: tired in my wheelchair.
0: So, <laughs> so, uh, so you guys have been training at Brian's house for
2: about a week now. Is that right? Yes. So, what's a, what's a typical day of training like for you guys?
4: I sleep late. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when I, well, our first day, when I got there, um, I got there at like 10:30. Uh, we all met each other, we all talked, we had some lunch, and then about 2 o'clock, we all decided to roll. Uh, we got about two hours in a rolling. Uh, went to Brian's Academy for about 6 o'clock. Got an hour in before training. Um, and then got an hour, hour and a half in a class. Yep. And then when we got back to... Two-hour class. Two-hour class. And then when we got back to Brian's house, we rolled from about 10 o'clock at night till about 1 in the morning.
1: So...
4: And this is the first time a lot of these people have you know, a lot of these people. A lot of these guys and girls have met, you know. um, So whereas all of us kind of know at least one of us, this is the first time we've kind of come together completely too. So in the the typical day, in between the training, it's been a whole lot of conversation and getting to know each other and, you know, all the different personalities coming together. It's Mm -hmm. been pretty cool.
6: It's usually only a few of us weirdos at a time congregating. So we're actually all, this is the biggest group of, uh, of, of adaptive grapplers that I've been around all at once, unless I was at a tournament. The
0: voice you just heard is Neil Brown, who trains under a Pedro Sauer black belt. Here's Neil's story.
6: My name is Neil Brown. I am a triple amputee. I am a bilateral transtibial, uh, which is both legs below the knees and a partial hand. I'm missing all or parts of all the fingers on my left hand, and I'm left-handed. So that's kind of a bummer. I lost my legs and my fingers due to uh, sepsis involving uh, MRSA.
0: Everyone involved in the Adaptive Jiu Jitsu Summit is in a little bit different situation, physically as well as geographically. One of the most experienced grapplers here is Maximiliano Uloa York. He says that Jiu Jitsu changed his life not once, but twice.
1: My name is Maximiliano Uloa York. I train in Miami, Florida, uh, at Master Helion uh ca- academy the headquarters and i have a uh, t5 spinal cord injury so without the use of my lower my lower back and abdomen and of course my legs i've met brian a long time ago i met neil at brian's house and but before it seemed like at one at one point all of us were one of us were hurt at, at some point this is actually the first time where we all can actually train at the same, yeah, time. That's Brian's not against. Kind of, each I think other.
5: Brian's kind of like the common point for like everybody sitting here. You know, it's like oof, seven <laughs> degrees of separation. From it's Kevin pretty
4: warm or whatever whatever yeah. 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 Say winter's gone. Now, <laughs> so,
6: yeah. yeah, when I met Brian for the first time at a uh, Grapplers Heart tournament, uh, which is an adaptive grappling tournament in New York, and I'd met him you know online on you know through social media um, but it was like what 3 years
4: ago or 4 years ago now since the first grappler's heart. 3 4 three, years ago three or four. well last year
1: was the
4: third this will be the fourth this year's so the one this year so it's
6: days. almost 4 years ago and and, and ever since you now I, I live in Kentucky but but at least 3 times a year I'm I'm over here just because it's a great thing to be able to come train with other people that understand that uh that you know we roll and we adapt a little bit differently to what we're doing so it's kind of nice to be on the mats with new people but you go to his academy and they're all used to rolling with him so i can go you know i'm three states away and 10 hours away from my home academy but i'm still around people that understand that uh that uh, that we do things differently so it's it's nice to come here what's cool
4: is you know when I first started, I was, you know, went through the same thing. I can't be the only one. And, um, you, you know, through time, we've grown. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I've inspired a few people to start jiu-jitsu and stuff. And it's exploding. But I've only inspired a bunch of dudes. I don't inspire any any girls, any young, any, anything like that. And um, a while back, um, her dad, Jess's dad, reached out to me on Facebook and asked me to connect with her. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Somebody to inspire the ladies. Like him, yeah. and, uh, Thanks, and then he
0: wrist-locked you. <laughs> no. That laugh belongs to Jess Munter, who, for now, is the only young woman in the group.
7: My name is Jessica Munter. I like to be called Jess. I train at Imperial Jiu-Jitsu in Ifredo, Washington. My coach is Luis Alvarez. Um, he trains under Gracie Baja, a couple different guys. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. The nearest academy is you know, two hours away. I have a brachial plexus injury. Uh, basically, that's nerve damage all to my left arm. So I can't use my left arm at all. It's very weak. It didn't grow all the way. It's underdeveloped. So basically, what a brachial plexus injury is is when you're born, your shoulders get stuck behind your mother's pelvic bone. And my doctor yanked my head too far to the right side, tearing three of my four brachial nerves. Yes. So a few a few nerve transplants got some of them back together and working so I can move it a little bit but it's not full speed
0: you heard the joke about Brian wrist locking Jess earlier well I know Brian and I know that he tried but then he found out
4: something then I found out she's she's a savage also yes uh, yeah. like a straight savage yeah mean <gasps> Mean.
7: I can she, get she, pretty she... mean rolling I'm sorry
4: <laughs> never apologize she's got a triangle that <laughs> yeah. appears out of nowhere right. Right. You know, I'm hoping maybe a few years from now we can do this same podcast and there's just as many girls with us as there are guys here. You know and, um, what, what's cool, though, what you're saying
1: is, um, like Rafa will explain it, um, about how we all tend to have like our own superpower, right, Rafa? The Rafa you
0: heard Max refer to there is Rafa Diaz. If you've been wondering about why this show is entitled The Adaptive X-Men, that all comes from Rafa. I'll let him introduce himself, and then we'll explain what he means by that.
3: I'm Rafael Diaz, better known as Fernando Warrior or Mega Man from Caguas, Puerto Rico. I'm training in Rylon Great Season 1 with Carlos Reyes as instructor. Well, what I can say, I have CP, cerebral palsy, since I was born. So... I was born seven year, seven months before the nine months, so I have a um, problem with my legs, my mind, my speaking, so it uh, has been a, a long way to to get here. When I started jiu I have none, nada, zero, of movement, so uh, for me it's a privilege to To let know people that we, with the people with disabilities or able movement, we can make jiu jitsu too. So um, actually, uh, my life it's like a storm, uh, but it's it's about stay positive, uh, stay humble. Uh,
2: Yes. And he's all those things.
5: Yeah. Um, he does an amazing Flavor Flav. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just to be the first one to drop the first F-ball, He's the baddest motherfucker here. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt.
5: You'll get to
0: hear the Flavor Flav impression later in the show. For now, let's find out about that X-Men analogy.
3: We are uh, um, a bunch of guys like X-Mens. W- with different abilities because my, my strength is my arms. Um, Jesse has this right angle. Um, Max has the choke. Everybody has different um, different abilities that we can learn from each other. Each day is is an opportunity to learn. Every Jiu-Jitsu for to, uh, 25 se- 24-7 so.
1: and because of what he's explaining I think um, I have a strong feeling within even as, as 10 years time there's not going to be an offense and defense because of so many adaptive athletes, para jiu-jitsu athletes, however you want to place it they're still going to be rolling hopping walking into a door and everyone in that academy is going to benefit from that person's limitations in how they're going to modify jujitsu for it and that and then everyone in that academy is going to know that one little trick and then they go to a tournament and then you're going to see more people in academies so there's going to be more deadly secrets given away
0: <laughs> hey lordis hey What's your favorite tournament organization in Jiu Jitsu?
8: Um, that's an easy one. It would have to be U.S. Grappling, and actually, I love them so much that I'm going to go to their ref training.
0: I know that they put on a lot of ref trainings because they're serious about the competitor experience. I've actually gone to two of the ref trainings myself because I wanted to be really sure that I was a decent ref.
8: Yeah, I really like the way that they do the ref training. One, you can go to the ref training and you, you can get your training done. But then they even kind of mentor you at one of the events. And so you, um, you get to practice doing your reffing during real matches. And um, I really like that.
0: U.S. Grappling is run by grapplers for grapplers. You can compete in the new year. Register early to get a break on price at usgrappling.com.
2: I feel like um, a lot of us here have been spending time whacking the way through the weeds on our own with our coaches. not really having a game plan or necessarily a strategy um, to come at um, any one, you know, uh, form of disability from. I think this is kind of the beginning of that. You know, all our minds can come together. Like Rafa said, we all have different abilities that we can all teach each other. And even though we might not be able to take techniques that um, serve us or our game, we'll be able to go back to other people we meet along the way and be able to say, you know, um, you know, this X might not work for me, but it might work for you because I saw somebody with a similar injury like you, you know So I think this is going to be amazingly helpful in the future for that for us to take this and spread this, this kind of message
4: And for us to be able to come here and get our story out, you know, is um, You know, I, I know a lot of people Get inspiration from what we do, you know, but um, like Rafa, for example, you know, he's in a, a different Situation than the rest of us, you know, he's, he lives in Puerto Rico He's been without power for almost six months. He lost his jiu-jitsu gear. He's gotten to train seven times in six months because of that. But he trains every opportunity he gets, any opportunity he can learn. And, and you know, it, he doesn't let it stop anything. You know, I hear people say, "Oh, well, it's expensive or, or this and that." But you know, when you just do what you can do, any chance you can, you know, you can get it.
1: That's the, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah, he has to travel. Has to travel far to get to the academy, and he's in a, a dinosaur of a chair that's extremely heavy. So he definitely goes out of his way to train, and that's the love that jujitsu brings like you can't you just have to have it
5: more, he's got he's got, like, the, he's got the handicapped it. equivalent of, you know like walking around you know five miles uphill butt naked through snow to get where you want to yeah, go i mean for real it sounds like
0: you have some experience with that
5: <laughs> no not at, all. not at all i avoid the snow
0: <laughs> The five miles in the butt naked though Yeah, well uh, yeah.
5: <laughs> so I'm, I'm There curious. were those times in my life huh? <laughs> So yeah, my name is Tommy um, I'm a blue belt underneath Ricardo Tubbs I train at Deferma Training Center in Chesapeake, Virginia um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a right leg below knee amputee And I lost mine in a work related industrial accident about five years ago I uh, started training jiu-jitsu about two years after I lost my leg, simply as a means of self-rehabilitation, and been doing it ever since. You'll hear from
0: Tommy again later in the show, including more witty barbs, but also some good advice for adaptive athletes who want to start training jiu-jitsu. After hearing the back and forth between he, Max, and Rafa, though, I had a question. Well, I'm curious. Based on some of the things that Max, you, and Rafa are saying about like the different abilities, like I'm curious what a typical training session looks like. Like Pete, you mentioned you guys rolled for like three hours. Is yeah. there a class? Like, do you guys take turns teaching class? Where like one
2: day it'll be like Brian shows a technique and somebody modifies it, or we haven't generally done things like that yet. Um, I think we're all just so eager to play our games in front of each other and learn from each other, as far as that goes. Um, I think we get in a lot of spots and
4: do. Troubleshooting,
5: yes, yeah, you know, kind of like you know, hey, hold on a second, you know, I know you're right here, and you know, it's like yeah. I kind of know what you're, you know, kind of know what you're going for, but you know, or, hey, I'm, I'm usually have minor... a lot of
4: problems in this spot, you know, what do you do here, or what, what did you just do to me? So there, there is sharing. I think we that.
2: also get into spots that we wouldn't normally get in if we were rolling with um, able-bodied people. I think our game gets to speak volumes um, when we're rolling against another adaptive player, just because. We're going to get into situations that we might not be able to engage. Like, f- for instance, I like to play rubber guard. It's so hard to enter rubber guard against an able-bodied opponent. But if I have somebody I'm rolling with, like, let's say Max or Brian, you know, um, those entries aren't so clunky. You know, we're, we're able to...
4: We're on equal feet.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for lack of a better term.
4: When- so I'm curious of what Jess is experiences with this because I think we've all rolled with adaptive grapplers pretty much but that, this is your first time uh, really? like yeah. rolling with some paralyzed guys
7: yeah this is my first time rolling with a paralyzed guy it's it's interesting um,
4: well, you did or a guy with no feet, with feet. Yeah, yeah
7: I did the tournament of course but was that
4: the first time mm-hmm.
7: yeah.
6: <laughs>
0: so how did you, You a couple of guys have mentioned your triangle, and, like, I'm curious, like, rolling with mostly able-bodied folks, how did you develop the triangle, and what's different now that you've got the chance to train with a bunch of adaptive athletes? Uh,
7: well, I got, I'm really good with my legs because I can't use my arm, and my other hand kind of hurts from overuse, so I just really rely on my legs. And when I first started jiu you know, I didn't know what to do. I was always just flailing around until my coach just, like, Try this, and he showed me the triangle, and it's just stuck ever since. And I've been adapting over that, um, figuring out new angles of triangles, inverted triangles, um, lasso guard, Barambolo into a triangle. Yeah. That's my favorite. Now you're talking. <laughs> uh,
4: said Jeff, you said Barambolo and bolo Jeff's eyes. I know. Night, uh, <laughs> last
0: <laughs>
2: night we introduced her to the truck. Oh. And, uh, and how to take it back from the truck roll.
7: I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such an just awesome to technique.
1: clarify, when she says oh. good with her legs, she means like. She can control her, her feet, her everything. Yeah, right? a they're like dexterity. They're like her
2: arms. And it, you know what's crazier? To like, there was something about watching her roll that I didn't get. But we talked, to, you know, over dinner the other day, and she was telling us that, you know, obviously she's, she's right hand dominant, but she's left foot dominant. So when she engages you, exactly when she engages you, she's actually able to like hug you in a fashion. If that makes sense, you know, because she's both sides of her body can engage um, in, a, in a strong context, I guess.
4: And this kind of leads back to what Rafa said about our you know, having our own superpowers. And you know, I tell people about Neil all the time and how he lets people take his back and he protects with his hands and he foot foot-lock, footlocks people. And they say, How does he do that? And I'm like, Well, where he's he's amputated, he almost has hooks now, so he almost has like. Leg hands.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Flippers. They're like, come on, man, they're like flippers. So he legit
4: almost has like a body part that normal people don't have, and you know, you're not expecting it. And it's so fun to watch. I watched Tommy and Neil roll, and Tommy had Neil's arm almost straightened out for a belly down arm bar. And I was waiting for Neil to tap, and all of a sudden, Tommy yell tapped out of nowhere. And I didn't even see the foot lock, but. yeah, somewhere out of nowhere,
5: I mean, it was just like, you know, I'm, like, getting ready to, like, finally wrench out, you know, wrench on the arm bar, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool, I got this one, and all of a sudden I feel somebody reaching around, like, tickling my toes. Like.
4: <laughs> so I think part of the training session is, is watching other people's superpowers, you know, like watching Pete and watching Max and see, like, hmm, you know, like, where's the superpower going to shine, you know, where's the kryptonite, where's the... And,
2: and what's so crazy about all of us is... All of us, I'm pretty sure, play against able-bodied people. So we spend, you know, pretty much our whole jiu-jitsu existence uh, working on techniques where our opponent, you know, is not just um, twice the size, twice the strength, but they've also got twice the amount of limbs. So, again, you know, I go back to that. um, When we train with each other, I feel like our games get to, like, really, really shine, really, like, speak loudly just because... You know, we get into these situations that I don't think we would normally um, engage in with an able-bodied partner. Yes.
0: If you like watching amazing jiu-jitsu matches and supporting people in your community, you need to go to Toro Cup 9 on April 14th at the Cageside Warehouse, 124 Latta Road in Durham, North Carolina. You need to go out there because it's going to support Hubao Karaoka's medical fund. The local black belt had a stroke this year and we're raising money to help support his recovery. Additionally, it's James Boomer Hogaboom's birthday that day. And if you know Boomer, the owner of Cageside MMA and one of the brains behind Toro BJJ, does a lot to support the local scene. So get out here and have Boomer have a good birthday as well. That's Toro Cup 9, April 14th at the Caged Side Warehouse, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina. And if you want to match on the card, contact John Bagels Telford.
6: It's really a challenge when, when you spar against one of these guys that's in a wheelchair or missing a limb. That's the first person I've ever actually I've actually, actually sparred with that was missing a limb was Tommy, and you know, that was just the other night um, You know, Brian mentioned I like to give people my back. It's where I'm comfortable Most everyone else would you know any any instructor worth their salt would be telling you escape 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 But for me, that's where I need to be And so I give people my back and I can take control right there, but when I'm rolling against these guys, It challenges me because an able-bodied person, if I give them my back, they immediately jump on it. These guys don't take back, or if they do, they don't put their hooks in. They don't do this. They don't do that. So it really challenges my game rolling with them because all the things that, all the little dirty tricks that we like to play against able-bodied people, can't work. You know, I I have, I have uh, a lot of lower limb. Locks, and i can't do them on them well i could but they wouldn't tap they can't feel it so, so if
4: you're listening to this don't take neil's back <laughs> it's no it,
6: it's 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 muscle memory man you get them in the back and 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 they're going to be on your back hooks in before they even think about it and then uh
5: so see the thing that i personally love about training with all these guys is well you know we've got you know handful of spinal cord injuries and everything else and well you know the beautiful thing is is they all outrank me and they're all a lot better than me and yet you know when i'm getting my ass kicked i'm the only one that can like hop up and like get away
1: uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's so, the only guy here that can oop him, I'm, 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 he, 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 I'm the only
5: one here that can actually escape and we'd still I mean, chase you
2: know, down to do jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> he's also the only one controlling
5: our chair oh yeah yeah <laughs>
2: What's
0: interesting about listening to you all talk about this is part of what I love about jiu-jitsu is it's problem-solving, right? Like real-time, intense problem-solving. And listening to each of you, it's like it, it's interesting because you have this sort of nonlinear ability to problem-solve in real-time. And, sol- and you're solving problems in a different way than someone with a different ability would.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to say something on that. The, um, I was lucky enough to be in the – to have three years – just jitsu prior to my accident so i i know what it's like to to be a fully able body and that's a, like learning the fundamentals that way it, i never stopped walking on the mat so i every time i'm on i'm training or something i'm still developing uh techniques for an for an able body to do like i never stop thinking of how they can use this because it never ended like i just kind of like Pete said earlier, we just figure we're just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. You know, having the fundamentals prior to my accident almost gave me my own instructor in the very beginning to to get me past that like threshold of of spinal cord injury, brand new, new to my body, and then trying to fit jujitsu in with a. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost harder for me at that time because it was I was still so focused on trying to maintain the same person I was before until at some point I had to realize this is none of, none of this stuff that I had before is going to work with this spinal cord injury and then you know whereas these guys they get to this focus right on to, from the very beginning so they're starting from the beginning when I, and that's when we come and work with Brian in the beginning and his, his uh, teacher Roy Roy was real open to an abstract way of thinking and also um, just, like, learning from them and then going back and then coming back and then sharing the same techniques. And we'll come together and have the exact same technique, same with Pete this weekend or this week. Same technique, but just one slight little thing, one submission, and it's different. But all of it together, by the end of this week, I'm sure we're all going to have a more rounded game in our own game, so to speak.
0: Yeah, so for this week, you know, when Brian approached each of you about it, did he have a name for it? Was it like Adaptive Grappling Camp? Was it didn't Freeman really
5: Fest? Was it the no, he, hands <laughs> <laughs> he. He said something about a sleepover. So I um, mean, you know, I think I was something called
4: down. Tyler Durden at one point. Yeah.
7: I, I heard. What to call, food, so yeah, I had to there, there, was,
5: there was. There, there was a lot of Fight Club references to that and everything else. Yeah, we,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a little Fight Club thing going on on our. Uh, we have like a group chat on uh, Facebook, so um, when we all got together with the idea that Brian had, you know, we had this uh, this idea of it was going to be a little bit like Fight Club, but
4: mm-hmm.
2: it ends oh. up more like you know Friends, Friends Club, food
4: club, cup club. <laughs> food, club food, <laughs> food club, Food Club.
3: Food club. Um, What's that, Rob? Right? I'm, I'm really, really. Um, Grateful of, of being here. Um, I was talking to Max last night uh, before I get here uh, on the podcast. No many people has the chance to meet uh, Michael Jordan or or Magic Johnson or Conor McGregor, but I had the chance to meet an awesome guy that inspired me to do jujitsu, yes. and that's Brian Freeman. Yes. Because this guy, I, I have four years in the making to get here to do jujitsu. Um We contact in Facebook and talk each other and said, hey, Rafa, do you like to, to come to NC, to, to my house and spend some time with me? I say, yes, but well, I, I do get the money. And the situation is... Severe because the hurricane Mm. kicked my things, my key, my stuff out. Don't worry, I will talk with your, with my sponsors, and figure out something. So I sacrifice my family, I sacrifice my friends because my friends, few friends believe in me. My family does don't don't believe much in jujitsu team. But I made the sacrifice. Um, this week, this event, teach me about familia, family. Because they know, they know are my family of blood. But in jujitsu, they are my family. And for me, this event is so special because I can. I discovered myself as not even uh, as a fighter or as a competitor because um, as human being too, you know, um, for every kid, uh, Jiu-Jitsu student, master, or or teacher, follow your dream. Never stop dreaming. So (laughs) everyone has a purpose in life. You know, uh, just keep keep grinding, keep practicing. So you never stop like me. You you see me like you want to roll, come get it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so,
2: but th- this don't is let and don't let Rafa fully his arms are like steel cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're brutal. Yeah. But we uh, I think this is what we all have in common. We all obviously have share Brian in common, you know, and, and he's definitely the, the guy that that um to look that that definitely started this off, this this movement here. So if there's anything that comes from this wave, you know, like it definitely starts with Brian. So, you know, um I think the question that you you, you started with was uh, how did we all kind of come together with this? Um, but again, we, we go back to Brian. Brian contacted us all. Um, and over the course of a few months, I think we always kind of had an idea when, when we got together that this would be like a cool thing. We always kind of ha- had like a, a conversation. I, I remember um, when me and Brian would get together about how cool it would be if, if we just had our, not our own thing necessarily, but something just for us that we could just take back to our academies. Um, and just share with other people, even our instructors. So, so we don't have that feeling like we're, we're hacking the way through our, through this big maze of, of corn, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I, when we all came together, I think, you know, whether we had the opportunity, like I, I was injured a couple of, of weeks ago. Um, I know Tommy's got, that got school. I know Jess has got school. You know we all and rafa obviously you know um left his family and, and um you yeah. know we all made sacrifices to be here but we all did it because we knew that how important this would be for sure you know and
4: you know mentioning coaches the way you did that's kind of a, a hidden loss aspect of what we do you know people see us out doing what we do they don't see the coaches behind what we do you know we You know, I don't know jujitsu. And um, I think for most able bodies, jujitsu is difficult to learn as it is when you have other able bodies around you. And so as a coach, when you're like looking at this person that you can't teach everything you've learned to teach, um, I think it says a lot about all of our coaches.
0: Hey, Betsy O'Donovan. Yes, Jeff. This time I have a question for you.
8: Oh, my goodness.
0: So as you recall, you did a jujitsu tournament. Mm hmm. What did you wear for that first jiu-jitsu tournament?
8: So, uh, funny you should ask. Chrissy Lindsay likes to tease me about this. Uh, at my first U.S. grappling tournament, um, I wore a sundress, a blue linen sundress for my way in And I walked up with my big jiu-jitsu bag with my gi in it, and Chrissy Lindsay looked at me and just said, wow, what are you wearing? <laughs>
0: Was it a pearl weave sundress, a single weave sundress, or a technical weave sundress? Well,
8: it was my travel sundress. And it was strapless because you don't want to give people a collar to choke you with uh, when you're weighing in at a jiu-jitsu tournament. But... Uh, One of the reasons I love that story is um, Chrissy and Brian Lindsay and the whole team at US Grappling do such a good job making even total newcomers who have no idea what they're doing feel comfortable and welcomed and at home when they show up for their first tournament. Uh, So I don't know if you are just starting out competing or if you've been doing it forever, uh, but I would encourage you guys to start out at a U.S. Grappling tournament. um, And there's a great one coming up Saturday, March 3rd at the Raleigh Convention Center. And you can uh, get those early registration uh, price breaks until Friday, February 23rd.
0: Whether it's your first tournament or your 100th, you'll have a good experience at U.S. Grappling. Register online at usgrappling.com.
8: Thanks for supporting the folks who support us. All right.
1: I kind of got the opportunity to just coach myself through it, but the back end that these guys have, like, to To be able to have someone in your academy that really just takes their time and really just focuses on you yeah. and says, "I'm going to make this person the best person." That's what I was trying to get this shout out to yeah. Um, yeah. earlier. Like, Pete, it makes a difference
4: for me. Is like the perfect example. I know Pete's early situation, his team. I don't think his coach knew exactly what to do with him. So Pete did a lot of sitting in the corner and on the sidelines and watching. You know, and um, I feel like he he was kind of in a situation of Rafa, where he just trained any chance he could get and yeah. learned anything he could learn. And Trolling it error. was more of a technique collecting, not a developing a groundwork and a system for himself. And uh, since he's been out with Boogie, you know, coming in now, he's like a total. Rolling with him was not rolling with various techniques. Now he's got a system. He's got fundamentals. You can tell he's got a coach that's actually dedicated to him, you know. And, and I don't think it's – you don't have to find a coach that knows how to coach us. You just need to find a coach that's dedicated to coaching us, just like Patience. he's dedicated to coaching everyone else. Absolutely. And um, that says a lot about Neil's coach, Eric. Like uh, you know, I, I don't know your coach, but uh, yeah, my uh, my professor's uh, Ricardo Tubbs. Uh, I'm sure he's the same.
5: And uh, no, I mean he's he's great, man. I mean you know when I when I first started doing jiu-jitsu a couple of years ago. Um, you know i had, I had bounced into a couple of different uh, types of you know martial arts studios since losing my leg and you know it was it was one of those things the first the first thing that I asked them was you know is there you know with this being the kind of movement game that it is and everything else I said you know is me having one leg gonna cause a problem you know with you know you trying to teach me and he, he didn't even hesitate, man. I mean, there was no hesitation. He said, no. And he said, come on in. We'll, you know, we'll work with you. We'll do what we got to do. And, you know, you learn what you got you know, you learn what you can learn. You you know, we just go from there. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, jiu-jitsu for me has been a really positive thing, man, because I'd, I'd hit a really, really dark spot in my life about two years after I lost my leg and it was just because things I wasn't getting back to my job and everything else and basically my life as quick as I wanted to. And so I mean it was I found myself just kinda sitting around the house most days and just kinda getting fatter and lazier and fatter and lazier and so I mean I yeah, it was kind of one of those things. I jumped in from doing, like, absolutely nothing in for probably the first seven months that I was at my gym. I was going to the gym twice a day, you know, and, you know, just going every chance that I got, much to the point that my wife finally said, no more,
1: stop. <laughs> um, after, you know, I think this will be a good opportunity to, to share, because there there are going to be people listening that want, may want to try jujitsu. share kind of some of our ideas, what we think. To look for when you're looking for an academy, because if it doesn't, first if it doesn't feel comfortable, like if you don't vibe with the person, I, I, that's a for in our situation, you have to vibe 100%. And a lot of places, from what I get from people calling or checking with us, a lot of places will just offer them private lessons only, and and. Now I have to say you know, for that.
4: Um, when I started, and uh, you know, I didn't know what I could do, and um, I asked Roy, and uh, and Roy said, I want you to do private lessons for a while before you do classes. But he he didn't rule classes out. He just, I feel like he wanted to give me a foundation, you know. And I remember asking at one point, because I got a lot of philosophy with the technique. You know, pri- you, know you get all the stuff in a private where you don't get it as much in a class. And I remember asking him, <clears throat> will I get this much detail in a class? said no and I was like I'm in no yeah. hurry then to, to get to regular classes when I got to regular classes other than just the typical white belt not having a clue what to do even though I'd done five months worth of um, privates I still felt more comfortable with everything so I, I honestly think that you know depending on the person depending on um, how ho-, ho they are at trying it or how maybe nervous they are at trying it I think that's a good option honestly yeah. to they, you know, I didn't know what my mobility was, you know, um, so there was a lot of a lot of questions I couldn't even ask him or answer for him, you know, about my situation. So
1: I think it's really you, know, you it's less likely yeah. to get hurt, yeah, that way. Um, but it, but I would definitely if it's only about privates, and it, you could feel the person yeah. out. Yeah. I know, think what Max is to trying to out. say
2: that like the ultimate goal is even after your initial. Um, private lessons or your introduction to your instructor, you really want um, your arc to be eventually into normal, normal classes, normal. even um, advanced classes, let's say, um, even if you're not competing or whatever, you know, you, you definitely want an arc to your progress. Um, but uh, for me, um, when I started jujitsu, you know, I my coach was definitely more interested in um, and helping me earlier in my journey, you know, and that's, um, you know, somebody that's excited to be around you and excited to learn from you as well as excited to teach you. You know, that's something that you're, you're going to be, um, you're going to easily be able to see something like that, you know, through interaction. Um, and I, I feel like Brian, you know, I started in private lessons as well. I took four private classes yeah. before I jumped into normal classes, and I feel that gave me like a really good foundation to um, just enter normal classes with a bit more success than I would have had just just entering, you know, just just raw. You
6: know, for me, I think it's very important if you're if you're like us, if you're mobility limited. Um, I I was lucky enough. I'm like Max. I had, before I lost my legs. Uh, I was uh, a wrestler in grade school and high school, and I trained in Nihon Ru Jiu Jitsu, a little bit of Gracie Jiu Jitsu, and, uh, and Muay Thai, and then after I lost my legs, uh, things were very much different, but I still had a base to start from. Some of these guys didn't do any grappling you know, before they, they beca- became injured. And I, you know, I looked around after I lost my legs at a couple of schools, and I was actually turned down. So, and, you know, anybody that's mobility, no, mm. mobility limited, that's listening to this, you know, shop around the schools, find the instructor that's going to say, "Hey, man, well, let's give it a try. Let's see what and we can do." Cause I definitely, definitely, because look I, like I, I had. I had someone that that was that almost <coughs> you, you just imagine pat me on the head. That's really nice that you want to train, but but you know maybe you just don't need to do that. So you have to find the instructor that's going to be willing to to give it a try, and then hopefully find an instructor that that can think out of the box. When I I didn't start out with private lessons, but I already had a grappling base. I had to relearn how to grapple without feet, but. You know, we would be doing regular classes, I'd go to regular classes, and and the instructor would give us a move to, sp- to spar and roll with for a few minutes, and I'd look over in the corner, and he's rolling with one of our blue or purple belts off in the corner. What I didn't realize then, and I know he does it all the time now, is he would take the next move that he was gonna teach us. He'd go in the corner and just use his knees, keep his feet off the ground, and absolutely not use his legs, so he could figure out how to teach me. So my instructor, uh, Eric, um uh, the entire way is 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 try to put himself in my situation so he can teach me better and then and then we both pound it out together and I figure out what's what works and and what doesn't work and but you got to have you got to find an instructor like that. I know Brian's Brian's instructor Roy um, would roll with him and not use his legs at all, you know so, Sometimes you get instructors that that will just yeah. look at you and say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm glad you're here, but you're not going to be able to do this move. I'm getting ready to teach, so you know, I don't know what tell you. I you know I've had instructors mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had black belt professors, you know, say, I have no idea in the world
4: how to teach you, you know. So I think one of the coolest ways it was put to me, um, and this is a testament to Max's teacher, Master Hillion. Um, I've been fortunate to do some private lessons with some people for free because of my situation. I didn't quite it's understand. A, it's a I wheelchair car. Yeah. Exactly. I, I didn't. I, but I call it was, the no legs discount <laughs> 50% off, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, they, uh, but the way it was presented to me, I didn't feel like it was some special opportunity or something. And Master Helion put it to me this way. He said, I've been doing jiu-jitsu all my life and you and Max are the first time I've ever had a chance to learn you know from this type of situation and it flipped like oh we're not the only ones learning here this isn't new for just us so I think that um, when the instructors instead of um, looking at us more as like how do I teach this person I think that our instructors that you know We have successes because they look at us, not just how can I teach this person, but how can I learn from this person also.
1: What's cool is Master he will come. He's teaching every day, and then he'll come. I'm off on the side doing brainstorming things, situations, whatever they're doing, trying to do it in a way that I can. And then it's funny because you never see him watching you ever at all. And then all of a sudden... Out of the blue, he'll just say, stop. And then he go, put your hand here, put your hand there, and then, the, and then it'll go into that one you were doing the other day. And it's just the knowledge that he has. I'm, I, I feel like I'm an extremely lucky place because he, he's seen so many different avenues of jiu-jitsu, different people, um, that he doesn't have to touch you to, to, be, to know exactly what, what I'm capable of doing, basically. A lot of times, I'd have to roll, and they, they fill me out. And then um, when I first interviewed him, I told him I have spinal curvature from, but I don't have any abs, or back, or legs. And he basically just thought and said, "Okay, come tomorrow, eleven o'clock. I have a technique for you." And and we just—he knew exactly what to do. And it's really cool to see that um, someone willing to give their time and that knowledge that you would... I mean, it's like people come, people around, say, at the academy are like, we get a private lesson every day, and it's just that he gives us that uh, attention because Brian comes down a couple of times. Um, but it's not just like when he sees us, the attention, it's like he's constantly at home thinking about it as well. Like all of our instructors, they're not just like, when we're on the mat, stop, oh, and then this is when we deal with jujitsu.
4: <laughs> What's cool is Rafa's, Rafa's coach approached him about starting. And, um, you know, my good friend Ian Matuzik, um, we lost, unfortunately, to cancer. Um, his coach, Dave Patton, was the same way. Ian didn't go there asking to try to – ju- or even thinking about trying jiu-jitsu. Um, Dave came over to him and said, hey, you want to try? You know, so there, there are so many people out there that um, – can help us, and there's there's so many people that want to help us, you know, and they see the opportunity to learn. They, they know how much it changes lives, and um, you know, I think for all the ways it's changed my life, it changed Roy's life you know, in, in maybe not the exact same ways, but equally you know, I had the equal impact, and I'm sure Master Hillion, Boogie, everybody, you know, um, probably is the, I feel like gets the same thing out of it.
0: I'm going to tell an absolutely true story about a Toro BJJ product without naming any names. When I was at the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship one year, I was carrying around my Toro BJJ rash guard, and a legend of jiu-jitsu saw it and said, man, I love that rash guard. I, feeling obligated, gave it to him and said, please train this. I've enjoyed your matches for years. He said, I can't take a picture of you with it because I'm sponsored by another company, but believe me, I'm going to train in this. Toro BJJ makes the best gis and rash guards around, so for Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all all your fight shop needs go to torobjj.com. We have a lot of geographic diversity here too. You know, Kentucky, California, right? I'm like... actually born in
2: Scotland, live in Canada, train in California. Whoa! So I'm all over. I the started
1: place. in San Diego and then moved to Miami. Oh, okay. So.
4: I live here and my chairs from from um, Washington State. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember where my question's from. I
7: am from Washington State, eastern Washington.
4: A few, a few towns over from where my chair was born. Excellent.
5: I used to live in Seattle, and I still have to go back there once a year trying to find what's left of my foot. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm from Cahawas, Puerto Rico. We have been training someone with Master Carlos Reyes and on Racy. Someone?
1: He's in Hillion Academy. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: Nice. And I was just born and raised in Western Kentucky and still live there. My legs are still there, floating in the air over Louisville.
1: <laughs>
6: if you ever go to Louisville, Kentucky? Take a deep breath of that smog. You're breathing in my legs. <laughs> they went up the smoke smokestack.
5: Smells like athlete's foot.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> so, so Jess, where in Eastern Washington?
7: Um, I live in Grant County, a town called Moses Lake. I train in Ephrata, Washington. Uh, my team's Imperial Jiu Jitsu with. Luis Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And how long have you been training?
7: Almost three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> most of these guys started out with private lessons. I was just kind of thrown right into it and be like, here, make friends. And, like you drop off your kid in kindergarten. <laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs>
2: yeah, she's been around jiu-jitsu for like a lot of her life. Her yeah. Family. Yeah, her family, yeah, my, so. my uncle she actually, like, <laughs> she actually hated
7: jiu-jitsu. <laughs> 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 my uncle is a judo black belt and a uh, jiu-jitsu brown belt and so i kind of been around it my whole life he fights MMA, you know trains and you know I'd go over he'd be drying his geese or coming home all sweaty and stuff and I'd hate it so like, he'd <laughs> smell horrible or he'd be like you know you guys should come train you know so we go to the gym say hi and there's a bunch of sweaty guys rolling I'm like yeah not for me Theo thanks and um, I also just thought because I couldn't do it because my arm mm. so I had that uh, in, in the back of my mind
0: So why did you change your mind? Why did you start?
7: Yeah, okay. Uh, So when I first started college, I went as a senior in high school at a program we we have in Washington State called Running Start. It's kind of like a a college and high school kind of thing. So I took part-time classes at the Big Bend Community College, the community college in my town. And there is a self-defense seminar going on. And so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go. I have a few bullies that I want to learn how to defend myself from. And I go, and I'm the only one that shows up. And the two guys that are there, uh, Luis Alvarez, my coach, and my other coach, Jeremy Seta, they're both there. They work at the college, and they're like, well, you're the only one here, so let's dive in. And I told them about my disability. We worked about three hours, just uh, different techniques, how to defend myself. If someone were to attack me on my left side or my right side, how am I going to you know, do this if I can't use my left arm? Stuff like that. It was super fun. And then afterwards, we're just sitting on the mats, and we're talking, like so what do you guys do here at college Jeremy oh I'm the media specialist and Luis he was the trio uh programmer for trio upper bound now he's the residence hall director on campus but um they're like yeah we teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu in Quincy and in Ifreda. Um and I'm like oh okay I know what that is yeah my uncle does it and I'm like and Luis he's uh, invited me to train at his gym the next day he kind of gave me the address his phone number and stuff I think he kind of uh didn't expect me to show up, but I did. And ever since, I've been stuck.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we call it addicted. Yeah.
7: <laughs> oh, no, I'm stuck there. I can't leave. <laughs> they won't let me.
4: But Most people are addicted, don't admit it. Yeah. <laughs> no,
7: my my uncle a was. No problem if you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, a few a few weeks later, my uncle was at the house and we were talking. It's like, so what's new? I'm like, oh, I started jujitsu. He's like, what? I have to buy you a gi, so he bought me my gi. And that's nice. when it really kind of settled in. It's like, all right, I'm doing this now. Oh, I can't waste a hundred twenty dollar <laughs> gi.
6: <laughs> I I think we're all all a little stuck once we start doing it, as I you know I'm got my blue belt a year or two ago and I've got a stripe or two on it and and the only person to put stripes on on my blue belt so far is is master Pedro Sauer and every time he does every time he puts a stripe on my belt you know he's you know he calls everybody out and and uh, usually I'm right around the last person if I get called and and do call my name he says let me tell you about my friend he says every time I think about having a bad day or something to hurt I think about Neil and I see what he's doing and and he gives us this speech and and you know which is which is very humbling for me coming coming from professor um, but once he does that in front of a, a group of black belts and a huge you know seminar with 150 people I'm like i can't ever quit now i'm stuck forever how do you how do you ever stop jujitsu you know once once a professor gives a speech like that i think we're all kind of like that we've all got people that see what we do if we ever quit they'd be like you're quitting you're quitting on life if you're
5: quitting jujitsu so
4: and we can't run away from
6: Yeah, yeah. I can't run anyway, so I have to keep keep training. See, jiu-jitsu. man,
5: I, see, I have the see, I have the exact pro, the exact opposite problem in my gym, dude. Everybody just guilt trips me into staying around. You know, uh-huh. I mean, you know it's uh-huh. like, no, you're not motivational. Not, you no, know, we we don't. You're missing a leg. You know, you know, stop acting like you're disabled and everything else. You know, and so it's just kind of like every time every time I even think about like taking a break and everything like here the last couple of months, you know, I've had to take a slight break from training to deal with some issues with my leg. And, you know, I, I keep getting guilt tripped by, you know, my professor, or my teammate going, you know, yo, we really miss you. And I end up getting like these like sad puppy dog, like, you know, Facebook posts and everything else, you know, trying <laughs> to get me to come back to the gym. And it's just like I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying to get there. So <laughs>
4: This brings me to so I always like to give a shout out just strictly to jujitsu because, I mean, that's like we're in the perfect community to do what we do. I feel like the jiu-jitsu community is so um, supportive. You know, even, you know, just amongst the able body. Everybody's just supportive. It's uh, it's such a humbling martial art. It's um such a like a great way of life and I feel like we're just in the right community to be doing what we're doing. We couldn't do it without the way the jiu-jitsu community is for sure.
1: And the te- the technique the technique as well. It's um the community is one thing, but the technique exists whether or not we find it or not. Because a, a armbar that I find inside someone's back attack is is still there if I didn't find it. You know, if someone hurt their leg and they're just let me let me train. Uh, that's why if you get injured, you should just keep going to the gym. Be responsible. Don't prolong your injury, but start working your other aspects of your game because. It took a spinal cord injury for me to be stuck in the situations I can't escape from anymore. And what that did for me is basically let me see thousands of ways to attack from the worst position. And I know a lot of us can, can uh, we feel the same way. So as far as jiu-jitsu goes, it exists in every aspect of the game, in every aspect of life. But it takes us being there long enough to be able to uh, to uncover it, basically. Because any of us can uncover something, new technique, as long as you have the abstract mind.
0: What's one thing that you wish you had known when you started training that you know now that you want other people to know?
7: It's going to be hard. You're going to have those days where you feel like you're just questioning, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through all this pain? Just to prove that I can do stuff one-handed or, you know, kind of just... Why,
4: you know? And conversely to that, I, I wish I would have known it was not what I was going to expect. I wasn't going to expect the support of the community. Hey, man, we're glad to have you on the mat. You know, here, very everyone helpful, you know, not just the, the coach, but everyone. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing for me is I, I had no clue it was going to be so welcoming. I probably would have wanted to try sooner, you know. At,
2: speaking on Jess's point, I feel like. We are more alike um, in that moment to able-bodied grapplers than at any other time grappling. This is something that we struggle with um, across the board, whether you're an adaptive player or not. You know, the mind is the, one of the biggest fights that we all we all go through, and we all have to know that. Um, you know, especially in those moments, we're more alike than than any time else doing jiu-jitsu for sure.
6: I definitely agree with that that we're all equal on the ground uh, but the thing that I wish that I would have known and I would have tried to get back to training earlier is that especially if you're not born this way and it just happens to you you suddenly no longer know your body and getting out on the mat really teaches you again where your body is in space how you're moving in space and and my training starting back to jiu-jitsu didn't just help on the mat it helped with my balance in my daily life and and knowing where I was at I don't fall anymore and when I do I got good breakfalls when you're falling when you're on prosthetics you just fall you're just like a tree you fall over you can't stop yourself but I learned so much about my new body configuration training and so it helps me with my walking in my daily life and my and my core strength and everything else it, it really it, it helps you be better. Uh, in all aspects of your life, which is what jiu-jitsu does for everybody, but for me especially. I walk so much better. My legs are stronger. My balance is better. You know, it's all better.
4: I asked Rafa. I was, I was really impressed with Rafa's mobility, and I asked him, you know, before you started jiu-jitsu, how, how mobile were you? And he was like, none. You know, and um, to to bring my friend Ian back up, when he started – um, even at the first grappler's heart, they had to, to carry him almost like in the Superman position out to the mat because he was so impaired. But by the time he got his blue belt, he could sit up with his legs crossed, and it just jujitsu does so much for us, um, mobility-wise that we just would have had no idea that we could do. You know, um, I think just forcing us just to get out on the mat and. Yeah. Well, I've got to get from here to there without my wheelchair. And you learn one way to do it. And if you do jiu jitsu for any amount of time, that one way is going to get boring. So you're going to find new ways. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it helps us. Um, you know, I don't know if it helps you walk better as an able body, but it helps us, uh, it helps our mobility a whole lot.
2: And like in, in knowing that, like, a, you know, we wish we could go back in time and just tell ourselves that. that. It does, it may be hard, but it does get easier, you know, with a li- the appropriate amount of effort and time, you know, everything does get easier.
1: Yeah, I'd like to add to that. I got, I got the uh, opportunity to, to, to have jiu-jitsu change my life twice. When I started, I had a limp for over six years, seven years, I think. I ran a skill saw through my leg, and I, I limped. And if I knew now that I could tell myself that, dude, trust me, whatever happens, you're going to get all the fine-tuned, fine muscles, all the small muscles that you need are going to be strengthened by jiu-jitsu, and it's going to basically make your limp go away. And then again, fast forward three years... I get a spinal cord injury. I already, at that point, understood the the benefits of, of what the physical benefits, because in six months of training in jiu-jitsu, my limp was gone. I was running up mountains. It never even came back. I could still put my, my finger between my muscle, but I, the limp never came back, not because it strengthened the muscle I cut in half, but it strengthened everything around it. And the same exact thing happened to my spinal cord injury is without a abdomen or lower back, it... It strengthened all my intercostal muscles, every muscle that I have left. It made sure that I felt it, and that it just got stronger. My intercostals came through my rib cage, and they 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 now are my stability. To to a, I can't do a sit up, but everything that I have, it made sure it let me know we're going to make it better. And then once it got past the the pain part, because it's muscles getting uh, created, then. We and we ended up having the fun part where you start understanding your body based off a of jujitsu movement. Goes back to what Neil says; it goes into your everyday life. You know that that might be a great
2: metaphor for adaptive jujitsu. You know, and that we might might not be the strongest people in our gym, or what. Strengthens it, solidifies it as far as competition skill-wise. But we make everything around us a lot better. Yeah, you know we seem to like strengthen everybody around yeah, us, and um, you know whether that's um, in, intentional or not, you know that just seems to be the byproduct of everybody's jujitsu in their academy. I, and I, you know, I don't need to walk into the doors to know that. Probably one of the biggest benefits that I've had.
5: Um, from doing jiu-jitsu, just being a single leg amputee was um, equaling, out, e- equaling out my hip strength. Um, you know, because, I mean, being being a right leg amputee and everything, and still having my, you know, natural left leg, um, during my recovery process, I would habitually start putting 95% of my weight on my left leg, even though I am capable of, you know, 100% weight bearing on my right side. <laughs> Um, you know, so I mean, doing jujitsu, it kind of helped started helping even out, you know, the back, the lower back problems that I was having. Um, you know, and like I said, I imagine with him, it's kind of the same thing, you know, because I mean, especially being, you know, you have to walk a certain way when you have a pro, you know, when you have prosthetics. And so I mean, it's for me, it just kind of, you know, enabled me to start getting past some of the. Some of the daily aches and pains that I would end up having because I would end up spending you know like an entire day walking not quite the right way you know just for the sake of comfort and so
6: yeah I I walk entirely with my thigh muscles my my uh, I have nothing. From knee down that that is connected and that can move so that ends up tightening up my hips it tightens up my lower back um, I tend to get stooped shouldered if I'm not paying attention um, all because I'm walking with muscles that were never meant to be walked with the way they are and so getting out on the mat I I don't know what it's like for these guys but my natural body configuration now is not with prosthetics prosthetics are just a tool to walk with and so when I get out on the mat, I get to take my legs off, and I'm in the natural body configuration that I am now. So I can stretch out, and when I'm rolling on the mat, I can relax everything. The only other way I can do that is if I mm-hmm. climb down in the floor at the house, and I got cats, so you no, know, that's not going to happen. So you know, I get to get out on the mat and stretch out and work everything in ways that that in normal life I never will because I have to walk so robotically that that I don't, I can't. I can't stretch myself the way I need to with my prosthetics on. So being out on the mat, that's my natural configuration.
0: The point about the mat being Neil's natural configuration makes sense to me, and I'll bet it makes sense to even a lot of you non-adaptive athletes. The mat is the most comfortable place around for a lot of us, and for this particular group of superheroes, they've found a home there. I wanted to close out the show by asking if there was anything we'd left out, and especially if there was anything that disabled people who want to try jiu-jitsu should know. The question I generally end the podcast with is, is there anything I didn't ask about that you really wish I would have asked about or anything else you feel like people should know?
6: I think instructors all should get somebody foobar like us in their academy. So when they get that one guy that comes in and says, Yeah, I sure would like to train, but man, my back hurts sometimes. And my instructor just leans back and says, Hey, you see the guy off on the mat with no legs taking that guy down, standing up? Yeah, so the, you need one of us in your academy. So when that one person comes in that gives that excuse that they're just hurting, they can go, Hey, you, you see the guy that's that, that's in the wheelchair? Um Or the guy with one leg, or or the mass producer, or or at bare
5: minimum, everybody needs one of us in their gym just so they got somebody to joke on and for comic relief. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we're easy targets because we can't stand
4: up to them. Yeah, 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 we don't have
5: a leg to stand on when it comes to things like that.
7: I mean, some of us do. Well,
6: yeah, some (laughs) of us do. This
5: is true. Well, n- nobody's counting you right now. Oh. <laughs>
4: yeah, cheater!
5: It's not—it's it's, not—it's not fair that you can get up and walk away whenever you want. Uh, I mean, well, it's you know.
7: not fair you can open jars. Too shady. Too
6: She's trying to open yes. up a peanut butter jar last night, and she's like, Neil, can you open this for me? And too bad there's not video. I have to hold up my hands. I've got five fingers on one side and none on the other. It's like, what am I going to do?
7: <laughs>
1: yeah, I can still kind of grip, I guess. Four of us get in a car and can't get out. <laughs> and we need the rest of them to put everything in the car and everything. <laughs>
5: And so I'm like riding, I'm riding around town right now with like, you know, four wheelchairs in the back of my truck and everything else. And, and
4: only a couple of you in it, so they're probably wondering who you stole this <laughs> right.
5: <laughs> right, it's usually just me and him in the truck, and I've got like three or four wheelchairs in the back of my truck right now. And, you know, and it's really great because when Brian or any of them does anything that irritates me and everything, I just kind of take my dear sweet time getting places. <laughs> And his his you know, truck, it's, yeah. its like, oh man, I got to stop and get coffee real quick. And, and um,
6: you know, <laughs> real <quick>. his truck <laughs> is so tall, and that, you know, I, I'm on pro, I'm on prosthetics on both sides, and I'm short to begin with. He's six foot something, so when I climb down out of his truck, I'm like a toddler trying to climb out of a high chair. <laughs> yeah,
5: he kind of looks like my four year old, you know, it's the whole.
2: <laughs> I think I'd I just like to finish by saying I'd like to give a shout-out to every one of our coaches. Um, we're, you know, it's a testament yeah. to all of our coaches where we're at right now and the abilities that we have and and the understanding that we have for jiu-jitsu and our, our attitude to, to give back and to share. It starts at the top and it it runs all the way down, and I know that's for sure how it is in my academy, and I, I can definitely speak for a lot of the
7: people. Yeah, i right! And uh, one more thing for coaches... Uh, if you have an adaptive grappler in your academy don't give up on them my coach really pushed me he saw the days when I just wanted to sit on the sides and cry just because I couldn't do a move and he, he's like just stop shitting around get your ass back over there and push through it, don't cry I don't know, I, for me I needed that push maybe someone else not as harsh, harsh of a push, but keep pushing them that way they keep at it and grow tougher I, I know I needed that.
1: Yeah, I want to add something to all the coaches and or instructors out there. Having an abstract mind doesn't mean that you're going away from your traditional way of jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu is everywhere uh, even in everywhere and um, a lot of people will tend not to ask for, for advice for someone from another um, academy especially but our community here we're not about one person we're not about the you know making one person um, be the leader we're just we're all kind of leading each other so on top of that we're open to anybody who has any questions like if you want to email any of us that have the similar situation as someone that may be um, coming in through your doors then we're we're we're, we're fast to respond and we'll yes. give any advice any tips um, it's all about the whole community coming together as one instead of um, trying to hold on to techniques and not share them. You know? And the, the biggest thing that I've got for anybody that might be in our
5: position that's you know, possibly considering to start training, don't worry about what you can't do. When you first come in, yeah,
1: because you don't
5: know. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't even. I mean, don't even enter really entertain what you can't do. Don't look at a move and go, I can't do that. I mean, you know, the the attitude that you ought to approach it with is, I can't do that right now. Yeah,
4: right.
5: I'm incapable. Exactly. I'm incapable, I'm incapable of doing this right now. So I'll work to get there. Um, because there's there's so much about jujitsu that you know beyond the techniques and everything else. There's just something extremely rewarding. About getting out there and pushing yourself, you know, beyond the limit that you couldn't previously get beyond. Um, You know, so I mean, just you know, it's it's all it's all really just a journey. I mean, just have fun with it, you know, and take it as it comes.
4: I'd like to end by kind of a different note, thanking you, Jeff, because um, if we can't get our word out, we can't get. Other people on the mats in our situation, we can't um, we can't find we can't find everyone. You know, you might have a neighbor down the street with cerebral palsy, or uh, a Boomer might know someone who just came back from Iraq who's in the military who lost a limb or got paralyzed or whatever. So, having this platform to get our word out um, is is super important to me because I just want to see it continue to grow, continue to grow. Um, you know, as the sport grows, there there's a little more. Uh, self-promotion popping up, but I want us, I want the message still to be us as a group standing together <laughs> on mm-hmm. our wheels. But just for the growth of the art and for what it does for us as people. You know, the, the sport part of it is just a small piece of the whole lifestyle, the whole art and everything it accompli- encompasses. But um, I just want to thank you, thank everybody who supports this mission. Thank Boomer, thank Cageside. Uh, you know, th- just... Anybody who supports this mission, all the, the, the promotions that give us opportunities to have matches, to show people what we do, that we like to strangle people just like anyone else. Um, leverage great. is leverage. <laughs> Toro Cup needs its first adaptive <gasps> jiu-jitsu match. Uh, I think we can make that happen. And then it needs its first combat jujitsu. jitsu <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Do you want to do that at the same time? Is there anybody you really want to slap? Yeah.
4: <laughs> See, that's. The, okay. So Absolutely. I've had this. sitting right to my left. Exactly. So that's been the problem with, with my thoughts on the combat match is like, we've all grown to be brothers. It's like, I would have a hard time slapping any of these guys with like bad intentions, but I'd slap the shit out of them with love. <laughs> In the name of a pair of jiu-jitsu, of course. Yeah. Of course. And we would slap you back. <laughs> yes.
3: Guarantee. Yeah, oh, boy! Really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a blast, guys. Thanks so much for taking the
8: time. Thanks, Thank Jeff. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Sure.
0: To close out the show this week, we have some breaking news. I talked with James Boomer Hogaboomer from Cageside Fight Shop and to John Bagels Telford, who makes the matches for Toro Cup. And at the next Toro Cup on April 14th, 2018, we will feature an adaptive Jiu Jitsu match. There won't be slapping, at least probably not, but show up in Durham on April 14th, see some great grappling, benefit a great cause, and you can find out. That's our show this week. I want to thank all of our guests, Neil Brown, Rafa Diaz, Brian Freeman, Tommy Gwynn, Peter McGregor, Jess Munter, and Maximiliano Uloy-York. We also want to thank our Patreon supporters, especially Betty Broadhurst, Cody Malte, Chris Holmes, and Carl Krebs. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash dirtywhitebelt for as little as a dollar a month. The co-hosts of this show are Lourdes Cantu and Betsy O'Donovan. My name is Jeff Shaw. This is Dirty White Belt Radio, and we'll be back next week.